Hello, everyone. This is Cassie Burns, co-founder of All Your Data. I'm an attorney who's been using AI and machine learning for 10 years. I love data and love talking to people about data, and that's what this podcast is about. Each episode of Cassie and will feature a new guest. Each guest comes from a different background with a different approach and attitude towards technology. We'll talk about their experiences and hopefully we'll learn a thing or two. Thanks for joining. Let's get started with Cassie and Alex Pulowski. Alex, thank you so much for joining us here today. Um, Again, thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Why don't you, A, tell everyone how we know each other, and then B, tell us a little bit about yourself. Definitely. Thanks for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. And I remember it as it was yesterday. We got to know each other, as I can recall, I think from LinkedIn, from our LinkedIn collaborations. I brought you in to our tech conference, right, in Berlin, Germany, taking place this year, Best of Blockchain as a guest speaker. And about myself, to that capacity, first off, I serve as the subject matter director in all matters blockchain and emerging technology. And previously, I spearheaded the development of a prototype, blockchain-based prototype called FabCityOS in the German city of Hamburg that aimed or aims to to bring sovereignty to urban, urban environments and democratize access to knowledge, network, resources using yeah, high-tech technology, digital pro- and physical infrastructure to produce stuff of everyday life, prototypes, including licensing and monetization. That's it. Yeah. That's it. That's all. That's all you do, that's, Alex. That's so. all I do, yeah. <laughs> Among everything else, yeah. And I know that we met on LinkedIn, and I find it, it it's a great resource for people interested in, in blockchain and Web3. And I really feel, especially in the last year and a half, two years, there's been a lot of really great content come from that space. Would you agree? Absolutely, definitely. I mean, there's so many experts. It's a melting pot. It's it's such a vibrant new industry. It's been already for the past I I don't know five years, and uh, such a such a depth and breadth of, of creativity coming from all walks of life, industries, and really geographies. It's fascinating. I always feel like I'm learning something new when I go on LinkedIn, or sometimes, of course, Twitter, yeah. crypto, um, totally. and sometimes it can be a little bit overwhelming because. I think you enter, at least for me, I entered the space to learn because I really started focusing on learning everything I could about blockchain and Web3 probably about a year and a half ago. Uh And there can be times where you feel very overwhelmed by there's just so much out there. There's so much jargon. There's technically it's so different maybe from our prior engagements with with online systems. But it's also good for the brain to learn something new. So um, it's, you know, for. For anyone out there who is trying to learn more and you feel a little frustrated, that's just part of it. It's okay. You'll it you'll pick yourself up the next day <laughs> no, and learn something right. new. No. So, yep. so you've been in, in the blockchain, decentralized ledger technology for a little bit longer. But before that, you were focused, you know, consulting in supply chain and operations in more traditional businesses. Can you tell us how you evolved from from that type of consultation to more blockchain-focused consultation? Yeah, absolutely. Originally, I studied computer science here in Germany, and then I moved over to uh, become a... I pursued a master's degree in, in, in London, but that's not so important. I, I really discovered the, the potentials behind uh, DLTs or decentralized ledger technologies, studying computer science when I mined my first Bitcoin. There was this course, and one of the uh, yeah, student faculty members uh, offered a course on mining computer resources. That's what I called them. 
and I was intrigued. I, I just thought, let's 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 uh, get involved. I brought my laptop, open it, install a rabbit miner, the device or a software to mine Bitcoin. Back then, was possible to do so with uh, with a GPU, with a graphics processing unit. And yeah, that's uh, everything else is history. And then I tried really to to wrap my head around the subject matter, subscribe to 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 forums, Reddit, and all the other uh, social media platforms, but really just picked up i think uh around 2017 and then 2019 when i yeah when i joined these startups and scientific spin-offs it's been a ride it's been a ride and it wasn't really easy to to make my way into web3 that's what we call it these days web3 but i think i, I can only encourage everyone to to read about it and uh, learn what this new internet of value is about yeah what did you find most difficult about entering the web3 area yeah, I think with uh, as, as with anything that, that that is new, there's always this barrier of getting involved. There's a lack of back then. There was a lack of of, of platforms offering this new technology or entry into this technology. Education was something that wasn't available. There was just a lot of solutions, or I mean, serve as a service mentality, X as a service mentality. So lots of people trying to put something out, and then a lack of understanding. No playbooks. No real authority because this is. For the most part, and, and the antithesis to Web three, having the authority being positioned to to oversee the whole thing, and this is changing more or less with uh, regulations that are yeah entering the field, uh, be it in Europe with MICA or hopefully soon in the US. Who knows when that right. will take place? Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. soon. Definitely, <laughs> we we can fingers crossed. I know you spend time on on LinkedIn. And I, I know that I've spent a lot of time on Discord servers, and that's really where I learned a lot. And yeah. and I would say the onboarding of of learning it, just like how to engage, how to set up a wallet, how to get crypto, how to buy yes. crypto and transfer it to a wallet, that isn't intuitive. And, and I remember being very frustrated because... I feel like I'm a fairly technically savvy person and I can figure things out on my own, like putz around and click yeah. and get to it, but mm-hmm. not with that. this yeah. at all. And I didn't feel like there were good resources online that really had mm-hmm. a good step-by-step. This is what you need to do. There were more people talking about it in the abstract or maybe talking about something in particular, but not at least at the yeah. time, I think it's getting better. There wasn't yeah. anything. If you want to buy an NFT or you want to, exchange crypto or get into that space, DeFi, this is literally what you need to do. So do you see that changing yourself or getting better? Um, I do. I do. I do definitely. And I think all these crackdowns and and negative use cases, or let's call them even frauds and meltdowns of of lenders and borrowers or exchanges even, there's there's, there's positives to those uh, events and incidents. I think it helps people to refine and to to focus, refocus their attention, brings in more more players, even authorities, let's say uh, in that sense, state, law enforcement, you, you being an attorney, you can relate to this. It helps really. It helps to get conversations going. It raises more questions. And with questions, hopefully more answers. And then content is produced, discussions take place, more workshops down to the, I would say, organizational and personal level. So people people um, are more inclined to, well, first off, they will back up, but then um, there's more content. People have more access. People have more, there's more material out there and more, more stories that people can tell. And it starts really with podcasts, books, and then... Um, 
individual products and educational formats that are tailored to educate individual. Yeah, definitely. And then there's also the the conference format, which we we represent with our Master Blockchain Berlin. And we put a, a very strong emphasis on, on education with workshops and practical. So we want to move away slowly from talk and listen to touch and feel, right? We want to let people try it out and do it themselves. Right. Because I feel, I feel like it's hard to teach people that remotely, mm. I think. And I was very lucky. I'm a member of Boys Club, which is a, a oh, women yeah. Web3 yeah. focus group. And one thing that they have that's great is they would assign a newbie with someone more experienced as a wingman and really like 30 minutes to talk through. It was Mm -hmm. great. And and my ask was, I want to be able to buy NFTs because I'm very interested in, in, in the community token gating aspect of that. And, and for me, I just wanted to, to be able to buy it, just to even know what that technology is like. Again, for, for me at the very beginning, blockchain, smart contract, non-fungible yep. tokens. I understood each individual word, but I didn't really yeah. understand the concept very well. Right. And for me, right. I had to right. do to learn. And yeah. I had someone spend 30 minutes with me and say, okay, first you have to set up a wallet. Then you have to go to a cryptocurrency exchange yeah. and buy it. And then like this blah, 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 blah. You know, and uh-huh. so I took notes. I still have them. I should make yeah. a blog post out of it. But like that was very helpful. I don't think I would have ever had the confidence to do it on my own if I didn't have someone walking through it. And again, I feel mm. like I'm a very tech savvy person. So oh, I you think are. the onboarding aspect, it has to get easier. Don't you think for broader adoption? Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It's uh, I mean, uh, the whole space, the whole, um, all the stuff that's out there. I mean, you have that, that that's part of the, the, the issue. The solution is part of the issue because for the first time uh, you come with a, with a solution first or a piece of the solution. So with the Internet of Value, you, you can own a piece of everything, essentially, that can or has value to somebody, right? So let's say you own, you build a house, but instead of building the house and having a very full understanding of what the house will look like, getting in an architect, you first you you first come up with an, with a, with an idea of the uh, key lock to the door, right? The door comes first and then comes everything around the door, which is counterintuitive. But that's how we, we the, the entire space evolved to this day. And I think, or we think at Bezel Blockchain, we, we think that uh, we need to, to, to spin this whole narrative around. We need to talk more about the problems, the, the problems that really trouble people so that people can discover themselves in that mirror, let's call it a mirror, and people understand what to use it for and what not to. And that's, that's the only way people will understand it and um, yeah, make effective use of what it can offer. I love the use of mirror to describe that because I also, the next topic I want to move to briefly is AI and AI in essence is a mirror of ourselves, right? Like the, the, the things that we want AI to do are things that we in the past have had to do ourselves and maybe we're not great at it, but it's something that we can identify and quantify and build out logic around those repeatable tasks and maybe generative tasks. Right. Mm -hmm. But you know, we come with our own faults and AI, therefore, as a mirror of ourselves, come mm. with faults. And exactly. I know, you know, we're both in the LinkedIn space. We're seeing the hype flow. You know, a year ago yeah. it was Metaverse and now it's all about AI. It's all there. Um, all there. Like, you you know, that's you just like say AI, you have it hidden yeah. in the metadata and it'll get all the attention, right? Yep. Yep. How yep. do you see 
and a lot of the conversations, again, it's kind of clickbaity, but it's very extreme. It's AI is going to take our jobs away. It's going to make mm-hmm. our lives a million times easier. It's it's going to do away with the blockchain. It's going to do away with coding. And having being someone who's used AI, like I appreciate that AI is a tool and it is not a yeah. replacement of us. Um, exactly. But I would love to hear how you see AI impacting decentralized ledger technology, blockchain, mm-hmm. and Web3 in a broader sense? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. And uh, um, I think, so So I think AI enables, uh, generally speaking, intelligence at scale. And it, it comes with all these great uh, use cases and value-adding activities, while Web3 enables coordination, let's say value transfer, and trust minimization at scale. So I think just to differentiate, these are the two sides of the coin. And when combined, both can unlock, I think, new possibilities to enhance in a multitude of ways industries by improving security, transparency, or efficiency, be it smart contract auditing or applying predictive maintenance and predictive analytics to, to entire network. So AI can, in that sense, help to be the fail safe for entire network. But blockchain, on the other hand, is like a like a leash, a dog leash, right? It can act as a, as a dog leash to actively provide a more technical approach to regulation. So when blockchain comes in, people say it, it helps the second ERP system for the internet on the internet in, in, in the sense that it accounts for who did what when, right? And then when you have AI coming in and grabbing all the data as it is doing now with ChatGPT, we, we, we lose track and control of that whole thing. So blockchain can basically account for all these activities that are not in human hand anymore. So what kind of data, frequency, using these digital signatures to really account for the speed and further development of AI. So I think... They're both a match made in heaven, I would say. They basically, they can complement each other. They are, in my opinion, the most promising combo these days in technology, in really in innovation. I see it as a yin and a yang, you know, both help each other, right? Because AI, AI can help improve the quality or at least be keep an eye on or help monitor the health and the integrity potentially Absolutely. of infrastructure and things like that. Very good. But Very good. Of, of course, the downside to AI and generative AI is it's scalable. So that that leads to an increase in misinformation and authentication yep. issues and, and blockchain yep. can then be a resource for AI. So exactly. I don't think it's a mutually exclusive engagement. It's helping no. each other out in essence. Absolutely that. And uh, yeah, and I think uh, this is this is the path forward also from a regulatory perspective and how, how people, you know, can follow up. It's essentially people need something to follow up. Transparency is something that is required because everything is moving so fast. And as you know yourself, it's difficult to keep up. Attention is also something. That's what I what I tell people on a daily basis. It's attention is the most scarce resource these days. So we are just bombarded with information and data and we need something to account for it and follow up and and then crunch, crunch, crunch and summarize so that we can still digest that whole stuff. 
Yeah, it's uh, it's again. I've said it many times. It's an interesting time to be able to observe all of this, all mm-hmm. of these changes happening. And again, my hope is that AI will be a tool to make our lives easier. Your yep. comment on on management of the infrastructure of of yep. like systems. That's something I've talked about in eDiscovery. We have these large databases of client data and often that data is rolled in or uploaded, collected and uploaded on a rolling basis. And and data is becoming increasingly more challenging. And that puts Mm -hmm. people who are SME subject matter experts in that. Like we have to be more diligent in making sure everything gets updated that needs to get updated to effectively analyze that data. And we're very good at using analytics on client data. What yeah. what email said what, what document said what, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. But we yeah. don't use it at all for operational no. purposes. And it blows my mind because I feel wow. like that is an untapped resource of how we could leverage AI. Because right now we're manually yeah. like, did the DT search index get updated? Did oh, yeah. you know the search terms get updated? Because you're having to manually yeah. like push that forward. And right. why should humans do that whenever... That's a very logic-based function, I feel like, that we can it use is. AI to help. So, um, you know, and I feel like, again, we have to do so much. We're so busy and mm. and data gets increasingly more, more challenging, yep. which makes people who understand it well and who are power managers of data more in demand and working harder and harder. And if we can use AI to make our lives easier just from that perspective, not yep. writing a brief, but... Just making sure the data is clean and in good shape because a lot of people don't realize managing data and keeping it in good shape, it's not as easy as people think it is. So no, um, that's no. you know my hope for AI. Like I hope that makes my life e- easier in that position. So I'm glad you brought it up. I, I agree. I agree. Also, discovering all these all these different perspectives, how you can look at it, right? I mean, there's this little framework of the five V's of big data, right? It's the five V's. There's a perspective of from, from you know, velocity, right? Data moves in, in, at a certain velocity. Then there's the value perspective. What does it say? Uh, value extraction and veracity, then uh, variance, that kind of stuff. It's not just you plug something in or you have, let's say, a sensor and a motoric unit to, to execute another action with a hydraulic uh, you know, a machine component, it's really what questions do you want to be answered? And then you measure the information, you extract the information, and you crunch it. And then hopefully you can make it, yeah, uh, it, it does make sense what you do. Yeah. Well, again, I'm very excited about all of all of the future that's ahead of us. And, and yeah. one part of our future that we have in common, we yeah. will both be at Best of Blockchain in Berlin in October. You is- we will founder and director and me being asked to come and join as a, a guest speaker, which I'm very excited about. It's the inaugural year for Best of Blockchain. Yes. Can you tell us what your vision for Best of Blockchain or Bob is all about? Absolutely. At the very foundation, also from first principles, I would say, our goal or mission was to, first off, give the general public a platform that is accessible. So most of these events, most of these platforms, conferences, events are, for the most part, they are self-contained in a sense. They're pretty exclusive, non-inclusive. And they exclude basically everybody. So it becomes very hard for people to to get into the conversation, voice their opinion, so on. Well, except on the internet. But we wanted to create something that is approachable, where people can get involved, where they can show up. Also, 
having a, a complementary format for people to to show up physically. It's also nice to socialize. We want to we wanted to to get the social aspect back again, and then putting this very strict or strict emphasis on education, and uh, and then really spinning around, like I mentioned before, the 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 problem first approach. So talking about use cases, because again, when people hear about use cases, they can relate to use cases because they they think, okay, this is me, this is me in my everyday life, this is what I do, be it in hospital be it when they do diligence on the internet using some tool, um, be it when they drive their car or whatever. We wanted to create this platform where people can see things in real time or in action. So we invited all these industry players, Web2 companies, let's call them that, and then industry companies who actually make use of the technology and not just theorize what could be. So not being hypothetical, but very practical. This is basically the vision that we developed. And then the second thing or third thing is we wanted it to involve a lot of different people from different backgrounds, make it more, yeah, make it more international because we see that the entire person, the potential behind this technology is, is dispersed or scattered across geographies. And everybody's excited. Everybody's excited despite regulatory uncertainty in some regions of the world. There's a lot of building going on, even during a bear market. And yeah, we wanted to get people together, grab them, pick them up from their bubbles and yeah, show it off. And this is the concept. So best of blockchain is in essence, it's like a, it's like the best off on television, a, a year's worth, showing off a year's worth of television in three days or two days. And then saying, this is it. This is what we recommend, what you should or could have a go and see for yourself. This is, in essence, the concept behind Best of Blockchain. And it's something I love and it's something you just said, people hook on to the use cases, just talking about generally yeah. the technology and abstract that doesn't do it. Yeah. And sometimes they may already have biases against it. My husband mm. is a perfect example. We've talked about it. The painting behind me is a painting my husband yeah. made for me. I, I, Wow. Like he doesn't like it when I say this, but I was like, he, I treated him as my own Dolly or Mid Journey. I, I gave him a prompt, and this is this was the Beautiful. output. Um, Beautiful. But he's very, he's very much a. He doesn't like to create digital art. He's a painter. He uses acrylic paints, or, and why not? he's been why very anti NFT. When I talk to yeah. him about it, he has a very visceral reaction against it. Yeah, and yeah. and some of What's it, I think, is he hears. What do you think? What do you think? Sorry for interrupting. What do you think is the no, reason for that? I, I think it could be he sees it as maybe lack of value or, or I don't know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I really want to get him on to be a guest as kind of a, a tech skeptic because I think it's good having those voices. Yeah. Um, but I will say, and I think for him, he's not into digital art and it's not against it. Anyone Fair who enough. makes digital art. I think he's just someone mm -hmm. who likes using his hands to create something, which is great. Yeah, Nothing not? wrong against that. And it yeah. wasn't until I was talking to him about how NFTs can be used to track uh, mm -hmm. ingredients or supply chain provenance and things like that. And that for him yeah. was when the light went on and he said, okay, mm. I really see the value there. And even, and then I was able to take that and say, well, then we can also use it if we wanted to make prints like high quality prints and sell prints of this painting, or you wanted to make a series of tarot cards in this style you could mm -hmm. sell them with the NFT to show provenance. We talk about scamming in the yeah. the crypto world, but let's right, talk about right. the traditional art world. 
I mean, oh, there, are, yeah. oh, there yeah. are documentaries after documentaries talking about all of the, the fake art out there of, oh, wow, gallery just, you know, someone rolled in and found all of these, you know, 10 <laughs> Picasso paintings or Basquiat paintings yeah. in their garage. And it's totally yeah. legit. And yeah. like, there's like no telling how much fake art is on there. But that's one thing, of course, an NFT could help prevent down the road. Of course, we would have to start really implementing it. But yeah. Yeah, I think having those use cases and, and even in the legal community explaining, you know, NFTs can be used to uh-huh. serve notice of a lawsuit on people or yep. things like that. That's when I think that light goes on, because I do think there is such a visceral reaction around this. But something else about the blockchain space, and, and you talked about it a little bit earlier, and mm-hmm. I know we've talked about it. It's new tech, so there's a lot of jargon around it. And it's a little insular, right? Maybe even I read a book called Cultish, maybe even a little cultish where it's us v. them and this is our group and outsiders. And I feel like that can be off-putting, but I know that that's something that I really appreciate about Best of Blockchain is you're really trying to encourage people coming. I believe the third day is really focus on, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, getting more people who are maybe not in the space in so they can just learn about it. Is that right? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is what we observe right now. We will see, we will, I mean, with more people, there's more perspectives and people, I mean, people gather around in tribes. This is human behavior or even animal behavior to, to, to be in a herd of animals or, or individuals. And they not only they police each other, but they regulate them, each other, right? People gather around narratives. They follow People follow people in essence. We see this still continuing with Web3 and blockchain. And I think, yeah, we will see more sophisticated approaches to these concepts with more definitions, learnings, playbooks emerging, really. And I can also foresee a coexistence. I think this caters to a question that you also posed earlier. It's decentralization is not taking over more traditional businesses. I see a world where we enter uh, a coexistence of both where it makes sense, uh, especially in more mission-driven environments. So definitely, I think people will adjust to that and culture is much stronger. Peter Drucker said it himself with his quote, right? Um, culture is strategy for breakfast. So it's exactly that. Culture is fragile at the same time, but it is also difficult because it changes only very diff- very hard, right? It's something you can't just touch and say, okay, I want a new culture and to establish new country, culture in this environment or country. It's, it takes time. People, because people will resist. Resistance is, is the first thing. People are used to, to behaviors, um, traditions, rituals. And yeah, and this is what, what will, might come or might not come. But I think I'm very positive. I'm very positive about the sector. I think people will hopefully uh, find, you know, adapt to with the beneficial stuff and yeah, move forward. We often hear people talking and it's one or the other. You you know, yeah. it, it's yeah. a mutual exclusivity and that's mm-hmm. not how life works, right? No. So I think no. we're not going to have a hard stop from web two to web three. I think you're absolutely yeah. right. It, the, 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 the coexistence, and we're seeing it now, we're seeing more traditional web two companies entering that space. And, yeah. and honestly, like they may be the, the driving force of broader adoption just because they yep. may be less inclined to use, you know, NFT. They, they may yep. not say NFT like Louis Vuitton no. or, or Dior with their shoe, right? They're not right. necessarily 
saying NFT, right? So, and honestly, I like to say the F in NFTs for fashion because like that's going to be a huge driving force in broader adoption, I think. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting few years. Yeah. So uh, in your definition, it's (laughs) non-fashion. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) Non-fashion token. No, I'm just kidding. Um, uh, New fashion um, token. New fat, yeah! Wow, wow! That's a that, that that's a good one. Yeah, I will write it down. Okay, I'm Very gonna good. I'm gonna trademark that. So Very good. You <laughs> no, should. Really. You should. You know. <laughs> nice, nice. You need to ensure whenever a new technology or a new paradigm arises, you need to ensure that it's the same with with, with demographies. You need to give every more experienced older generation the chance to get involved and grab them by the hand and guide them and help everyone that they can find their um, seating or position and uh, extract most of the value or, and everything else is just aggressive movement. It's uh, these technologies, younger, younger generations, those are the ones that will lo- live, live longest. That's why every, every, every young person should be curious and, uh, you know, um, enthusiastic about it. I think either politically or socially, it's, uh, it's something that uh, yeah people should see it's a very exciting time to be alive to be honest i agree i you know i completely agree as we start winding down i would love to hear what emerging technology are you most excited about because i feel like you have your you're aware of a lot of things what is the one that really gets you excited yeah, I mean, my answer might sound corny or boring, but I'm really excited about everything that expands our horizon as a society. And be it the preservation of our environment or the exploration of space, soon enough to be, I don't know, space. Hopefully that, that will happen in the next uh, couple of decades. But I think it's really, um, if there has to be anything I have to choose, it's, I think, novel materials, fabrics, and robots. I think that's something I'm very passionate. And then the, the um, symbiosis between robots and AI. I think seeing autonomous agents walk around like the ones from Boston. I don't know. Are you aware of Boston Dynamics? Those robot dogs that can dance and jump and somersault. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah so they they invented the I think robot Olympics. Even. That, that's a thing. Whoa. That's a that's a <laughs> thing. And yeah. So um, I'm, I'm I'm most excited about this because. Um, yeah, imagine you have an assistant and he can take the dog for a walk or you know, take over uh, some of your uh, not so pleasant jobs and uh, just do it for you. I think that's that's something to look forward to. Yeah. I like what the idea, you? like the fa- the fabric item you brought up. I <laughs> truly believe because again, the F and NFT is for fashion. I really yeah. believe that there are going to be advances in a synthetic fabric that allows. Agree. Like, what if your PFP NFT, you know, you can change what your fabric looks like based off yeah. of the NFT or the art associated with with the NFT you have? And I think that that will come at some point. Maybe not. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm wrong, but. Just in, or or your dress, like maybe maybe your dress yeah. is a certain fabric, and they're NFTs that let you change what the pattern yeah. or the color on the dress. I mean, that can oh, be yeah. like magic woo woo stuff, and maybe maybe I'm just crazy <laughs> for thinking that, but I really, I mean, no, think that no. that that could happen. So, and I think that's could, really exciting beyond just using your NFTs, your profile picture. Like that's really where the <laughs> utility comes in of of 
you know, art based or, or on your car, you know, if you wanted to have a fun design on your car. I don't know. What, I just feel yeah, like that's going to happen. Believe, believe it. I mean, believe it or not, it sounds crazy, but it isn't. I mean, BMW just did that. They, they produced, I forgot the name. I, I need to, I have to look it up, but I, they, they built this prototype of a car and you can, with a, with a push of a button on your smartphone, you can change the coloring, the, uh, the shading. The shading of your BMW. Um, Whoa. And they already do that. And I also saw, I don't know what, what Fashion Week event was, but uh, maybe it was in Paris or New York. Uh, they also experimented with these um, mood, mood fan. So if you're nervous and it can extract the information. So if you're sweating, if you can sweat, let's say, if you're nervous or you're angry, it can basically grab the information from your, so your vital functions. If you have a high blood pressure or you're sweating like hell, you know, your entire dress changes uh, to red or some 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 really rise rousing color. It's 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 something. I don't know what the what the true utility behind that is. Maybe it's more of a you know social it, thing, right? You know what it so, is. Yeah, what it is? What is it? I I my immediate thought is they're going to make people wear jumpsuits, and you know, police are going to interrogate <laughs> people with one of these suits. Oh yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, that, that's definitely a use case. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so. Um, passive I mean, that could be i mean um uh, who knows right it, it's maybe maybe it's more fun and games but uh, we'll see yeah a big a big change from the hyper color t-shirt from my teenage years as a gen xer where it, the color of the t-shirt changed but this is a bit more of a sophisticated take of that so yeah um yeah you know we're here at the end of the podcast. The time went by so quickly, Alex. I would love as a, as mm. a closing thought, you know, what's your word of advice or t- big takeaway you'd like to share with the audience? Absolutely. So um, I would say for everybody who's listening, who's passionate about the future or in technology, be passionate, open to the prospect of a better future. Try to learn as much as possible, something new each day and pass on the knowledge you're only as good as your neighbor or your friend or your ally. If you can check out our conference, that's also something I can recommend, you know, bestofblockchain.io. Reach out to me if you're interested. We can have a conversation. And yeah, we will offer a live stream for anyone outside of Europe as well. So join us. Technology is exciting. And yeah, we should make the most of it. Great. And we'll be sure to include a link to the the conference in the podcast notes so people can easily navigate to it. So thank you so much, Alex, for joining us today. I enjoyed it so much and I'm sure the audience will too. And, you know, again, reach out to Alex. Alex is great on LinkedIn. You should definitely be following him. He shares a lot of great information and we hope you all enjoyed this episode of Cassie and, and stick around for our next episode. Thank you. Thank you.